What's happening, everybody? It's Todd Wilson with Elevate Your Game. Today, we have a coach, trainer, developer, former player, former pro, Chad Bell. What's up, man? Thanks man. for having me. I Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Um, we got in contact by uh, Deshaun Curtis, uh, one of a, a, a hoop mastermind himself. <laughs> Shout out to Deshaun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, man, for connecting us. Um, man, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, somebody of your caliber, uh, with your playing experience, your coaching experience, man, to, to bless the people with, with the information. We always start the show off with the wall of hoop movies. It's your favorite hoop movie up there. If you could only pick one, maybe two. You know, it's kind of tough. Uh, what's your favorite hoop movie and why? Well, I gotta pick two. It's it's tough because if the if the audience out there can see the wall, it's tough. So uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Blue Chips. Okay. Uh, the reason why I started with Blue Chips, like that was like the movie. Like when I was growing up, you know. When I was growing up, it was different. Like we had, we had dreams of going to college right, <laughs> and playing right. college ball. So I don't know if it's kind of changed, you know, you know, since everything is kind of different now. But that movie, like, really, like, showed like a a story of like recruitment, yeah. and it was so exciting, you know, seeing that. You know, I was a big Shaquille O'Neal fan growing up, and then they had Penny Hardaway on the movie, so. That that alone just intrigued me, and then I watched the movie, and just to see them go through the whole process with the storyline of the the coach having that job, and the team was struggling, and he needed to bring in these high profile recruits, and he went, you know, uh, to different places to seek out the talent, and and then it showed like the different side of basketball with you know illegal payments and so on and so forth. I, th I thought it just told, you know, it, they put a lot of Hollywood in it. For sure. For sure. <laughs> they had to do that. But it, it just told the story of, like, kind of what goes on, you know, when it comes to, you know, college basketball and recruitment with a little bit of twist to it with the Hollywood. They had to put the extras on it. Yeah, so. It almost gave the coaches, it feels like the coaches for today, the blueprint. Like, right. the ones who didn't know, like, yo, this is how you do it. Because you know, see that in college thereafter is like, you know, you had some pretty mean teams come together, and I think I'm pretty sure it's loosely based on some true stories. Yeah, some people, no that, doubt, and some some programs that we've seen. Um, but it's not, it's happening in high school now, which is the crazy thing. Yeah, man, oh, that's crazy, that. man. Because like you have like the uh, the uh, name like likeness and images in LI now. So like literally, that movie is like the you know in LI before it was. Right you know, what it was now. So now, you know, it's just crazy uh, with the young men and the young women, what they're able to have at their grasp now with right. money and exposure and all yeah, that other pretty stuff. Pretty sure so, you've been getting paid at this point in Cali right now. Oh, man, I, I <laughs> wish, man. Right? I wish I wish we had that back then, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? But uh, everything happens for a reason. You know, I, I think that, you know, I don't know what I would have did that young having that, you know, at my grasp you know you got to be very you know mature with you know especially when, when money's involved so on and so forth but i think my mom's would have yeah, kind of <laughs> like hey you know <laughs> relax that's blue, that's blue. <laughs> so, so any other blue chips is the one uh blue chips and then i gotta go with he got game man he got game was just a special movie um just watching that storyline because it was real yeah. like um, you know, he's a young man, 
high school recruit, high profile. Uh, I think he was like the number one player in the country. And then Ray Allen played that role. And, and that's why I like those movies. They got actual hoopers. So, you know, Ray Allen played that role to a T. To, to me, and then like Denzel Washington. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, a polished actor yeah, at the time, but no he doubt. was a hooper, and so he could do the hoop part. But no doubt. They had to throw Denzel on there to no, make that. Yeah, and it, it, just, it just set it off. And then, you know, I think, it, was that a Spike Lee? Spike Lee did yeah, that one? Spike Lee did yeah, and then, you know, Spike, you know, yeah. Spike did his thing. So um, for them to do that movie, it was just dope because it's it told a real story. A uh, young man. Who had some issues with his? He had some issues with his father, and they were battling that whole thing. Cause what happened to his mom's? Plus, he was being recruited. You know what I'm saying? So they were dealing with real life issues mixed yeah. in with the sport. He had all this attention, and then it went back to the other thing where he was getting recruited, being offered things, the girls, so on and so forth. So it was real. You know what I'm saying? Not just from real being with the basketball part. But uh, also real, uh, you know, with his life, what he was dealing with away from basketball and it all coming together. So I thought those two movies was dope. And I can name some other ones up here, but I, we don't got a lot of time. So that's a that's a really cool wall you got. I think you bring up an interesting point how he's, you know, dealing with both both sides of the game. And like for nowadays, it's what's called the mental health part, right? Yeah. He was dealing with some real mental health struggles yeah. with his, real his relationship with his father. And Real so talk. that's interesting, like, that's that was a, a preview to what a lot of players are. We, we finally, like, have words put behind it and, and acknowledge those, the mental health and the emotional stability of a kid struggling to forgive his father. And he's, yeah, take care of his sister. Like, oh, he was a yes. grown man at 17 with all this stuff, all this weight on his shoulders. And then yeah. his pops had to come back in his life. And he could yeah. save, he can save his pops from going back to jail by choosing a college, like, that pressure's put on these kids, not in that way exactly, mm-hmm. but by these dad, these these hoop dads now, yeah. who are putting pressure for them to perform and do these things. But that's a whole other story. That's yeah, I like that point. Yeah. We're gonna have a whole discussion about he got game. <laughs> the breakdown of he got game. Um, so, man, when did you fall in love with basketball? Oh man, it was at a very young age, man. Uh, I would say I was about four or five years old. Um, you know, I was raised by my moms, and uh, we had this little tiny little black and white TV uh, in our apartment that we kept in the kitchen. And uh, my mom, she was a big Laker fan. So uh, I used to watch the games um, because my mom would have it on. So we would watch uh, KCAL 9, watching the Laker games on this little black and white TV. And when I was growing up, it was like all about Magic Johnson. So when I saw him play, I was like, man, this is it. Like, you know, he was playing with so much passion, so much energy, and he was smiling, and he was a bigger dude. So I was like, man, that's I want to be like that. And then, of course, I, you know, saw Kareem, and my mom really did a great job uh, of educating me on Kareem because at that time he was older in his career. But she really educated me, like, on his time from UCLA and all the stuff he did. And she actually bought me a book about him. It was like an autobiography. I thought I think it was called like Big Steps or Giant Steps, something like that. Sorry if I'm you know yeah. butchering that, but yeah, I I, re- I read it, and I was like, wow, man! Like he was so accomplished from the time he was you know 14 years old. You know his career was incredible. So 
just, you know, those little stories. And then, you know, like big game, James Worthy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Byron Scott, you know, who's, you know, from Inglewood. Showtime. Yeah, so like, I, that was just, that just made me really fall in love with the game. And from there, I was just, you know, always having a basketball in my hand and doing that kind of thing. But the funny thing is, I, I, I didn't play organized. I just played like at parks and okay. played. Start playing organized. I really didn't get into playing organized until I was about like 12 years old. Okay. So it was, it was kind of weird. Like I fell in love with this thing, but it was totally unscripted, totally just freelance. <laughs> that's the way to do it, I believe, though, because these kids get, it's the same thing, these kids get into so, so young mm -hmm. and they're coached right away instead of having fun. You fell in love with the process and just hooping and you probably right. got some natural feel to the game because you got to learn it by playing with others rather than instruction, instruction, instruction. Yeah. I think that's the time for me. That's when I'm going for my kids. I'm like, no, I'm waiting. To, I, didn't, I didn't pick up a ball until I was 11. Mm. And so I was a late bloomer in the game, but I'm the one from all my friends who've been doing it. I'm the one who's kind of gone furthest with basketball and wow. still st sticking with it for my career and everything else because I had that passion. Like you said, it kind of just the homies across the street were playing. Right. And so I just played with them and then mm -hmm. fell in love with it and played organized shortly after that. But I was mm -hmm. 11 when I first picked up the ball. So wow. that's a uh, very similar in that and getting that. And so when you were in 12, did you, you join the local like rec center? Were you AAU? What'd you do? Uh, so when I when I was about I think it was like eleven or twelve I uh, I played for the first time at a at a place we I call it me and my friends well we call it the mecca of L A and those that are out there from L A they gonna know what I'm talking about I played at Rancho Cienega Park okay, yeah. so uh, this park was like this is where it was at so when I go into this environment um, there was like so much uh, competition and it was intense even though it was kids playing and it was like I hopped out hopped out there and I right away right away I knew the difference from just playing up at the park to playing organized ball just like on the simple level of lining up at the free throw line. Yeah. Where I'm used to checking up after a five. <laughs> right, right. So I never my mind, my young little mind never went that far. So I had to like really learn the organized rules of the game and positioning and, you know, uh, I would tr try to dribble the ball up the court and coach like, no, no, big fella, you, you got to go in the post. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for me, I, I was playing, you know, up at middle schools, elementary schools, hopping the fence, going up to parks playing it and you just was a player right it wasn't no position like you know like <laughs> yeah yeah right. so i was like not knowing i guess i was kind of before my time so and i had to kind of relearn magic, some things yeah yeah so i i had to kind of it was like starting all over again yeah. you know what i'm saying so uh that's that's how i started and eventually um uh, I played for an AAU organization um, called uh, Mayor I Can uh, that was founded founded by Jim Brown, may he rest in peace, uh, for a guy named um, Rock Johnson. Okay. Uh, so he took me in and uh, put me on his team, and I was, you know, by this time I was like, you know, 13 years old, and I was playing with 15-year-olds. So, because that's what he had. He didn't have nothing younger, so... And then from there, I ended up playing uh, for uh, a guy named Thaddeus McGrew, who had a, a program 
uh, that eventually transitioned to the name Top Prospects. Okay, yeah. And then that's kind of where my my little young basketball career took off, where I was exposed, you know, traveling to Vegas, traveling to Florida, traveling to Georgia, traveling all over the country, playing against the best players, and even back home playing in the uh, Best of the West tournament, playing in the Auto Slammer Jam yeah. tournaments, those tournaments that were just during those times in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was just popping. So um, that's kind of how it went for me. That's dope, man. I love, yeah. man. I love these LA <laughs> stories, man. Like, there's so much history in the basketball stuff. Yeah. The program, the original program before AAU was on every corner. Right, right. You actually had to be that dude. And yeah. the exposure nationally is nowhere on the level it is now because of social media and how quick you can get it. But those... The people who played on that were the ones who excelled going on to high school, college, and, and so forth. So, yeah, no doubt. Uh, attended Westchester in, yeah. in its prime, kind of, you know, when Westchester was, was uh, probably probably the last time it was really popping, really, those early 2000s. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like being at Westchester? And- uh, it was amazing, man. We Well, first of all, we had a tremendous coach in Ed Azam, you know, and anybody that's played for Coach Azam knows that he's a really great teacher. And he's going to give you the fundamentals. He gave us, uh, you know, structure and discipline every single day. And um, to be honest, Coach never cared about how talented we was. He just wanted us to be better players each and every day. And even more importantly, uh, just good people, good young men. That's what he cared above, you know, winning championships and the exposure. Uh, He didn't care about any of that. And to be quite honest, it just it just happened. It happened because you were focused on developing the person. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was a tremendous experience uh, for me. Um, I went there and we just gained a ton of exposure, man. You know, same thing. Um, playing all over the country, uh, competing at a high level, and I think then like um, the competition in the LA area, Southern California in general. Uh, was so good that uh, we all made each other better. Yeah. So uh, it was nothing when we went on the national scene to compete because it was a dog fight at the crib. Every day. So um, that's how it was, man. And, um, you know, we had every college coach you can think of in our gym, you know, for, you know, practices and our games and so on and so forth. And uh, that allowed all of us to get scholarship. I think my senior year, uh, I believe the entire team ended up getting a scholarship. So how many seniors all the seniors? Well, not just when you when you when you take when you account the seniors plus Oh everybody who played yeah, that senior year. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so it was <laughs> it was amazing man. That's it was, tough. You don't hear about that a lot, but I know Westchester then, Fairfax. Yeah. Um uh, this is a little later in the 2000s, but like Campbell Hall with yeah. days, like everybody on the team was getting scholarships. Yeah. Regardless if they were the ninth, tenth man, yeah. they were going Division One, Division Two, yeah. pretty high level. Yeah. Just to let you know how competitive it was and how selfless kids were too. They understood the process. Oh yeah. And they they even made an impact on the college level, even though they weren't the man on their high school team. I think more kids need to see that. Like when you go, that's what happens at all these. They're called the NIBC schools now, right? The Oak Hill and the Sunrise, IMG, it's like even the 10th man is going to 
Ohio State. Like, <laughs> like no, you're you're playing at such a high level, and where the work is, you said it. It's at home. It's at practice. Yeah, you're playing against another Division One player every day in practice. Or yeah. ten of them, and so that mindset. Oh, I got to go somewhere and be the man. I think it takes away a little bit of that grind and that adversity that you face in high school to prepare you for that next level. Oh yeah, I mean, I see both sides of it. To be honest, uh, I think when you're in a in a situation kind of how how I was. Uh, I just think that it, it kept you hungry. I mean, you you never, we never had days where you could just say, okay, I can relax. Because you always knew you had that guy behind, behind you that's a dog. That's like, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to take his spot. I'm trying to take his minutes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we had to compete every day, yeah. every day. And it wasn't always pretty. We bumped heads a lot because you had a, a lot of young teenagers that was talented on one team. You only had one ball. And yeah. We we all wore the same uniforms, uh, so um, in that regard, it, it helped. We helped each other, and what it did was it, it prepared us to go out there and win, yeah. and then it also uh, uh, prepared us for college. Um, but I also understand the other side. You got you got guys that go to lesser talented places, and you know they build up. And um, they get that confidence, so I yeah. see that I see that side too. Yeah. I, I think it also it all has to do with the guidance yes. and uh, you know the mentality of the of the person as well. So, no, that's yeah. Important. What's your most memorable game experience in high school? Uh, so many. Um, I will have to go back to honestly my junior year. Um, we we had a team that wasn't expected to win the city title that year. And we just persevered, and we ended up beating Crenshaw in the city title. Um, I, I statistically, it probably wasn't my best game, but it was it was my best high school game in my in my opinion in terms of how I impacted the game, and uh, and then we did it in the form. Oh, so you know the where you know where the Lakers used to play. So yeah. that moment meant so much to me because going into that game, I'm like, I'm in the building that Magic played in. I'm in the building that Kareem played in. I'm in the building that, you know, Shaq played a few years in. And when we did it, you know, I'm a kid who grew up in Inglewood. It was just a special, it was a special game for me. And uh, to beat a program like Crenshaw, who had, uh, Crenshaw had a guy at the time named Tommy Johnson, who was the city player of the year. He went on to play at San Diego State. Uh, and who's a good friend of mine, another good friend of mine, E.J. Harris, who went on to play at uh, uh, Sacramento State. Um, so they, you know, they had some, they had some talent, you know, on that team. And then they had a young point guard, Marcus Williams, who played at UConn and played in the NBA. So um, that program actually was a program that I admired, you know, when I was coming up because they were, they, we were what they were. Prior, you know, right. they they you know Crenshaw in the you know eighties and the most of the nineties they they were a dominant team. So yeah. uh, and they had an excellent coach in Willie West, who uh, was a you know a pioneer in his own right in terms of bringing dominant basketball to the city. You know, from that era. Obviously, prior to him, there were some schools I can name off too, but. Um, so it was just special, you know. No, that's awesome. So yeah. from high school, um, you won a city title your, your junior year, senior year, 
What happened? Senior year, uh, we we won another city title. Um, we were top five in the country. Uh, we started the season unranked. Uh, we went to. Uh, who I'm sorry, who was on your team your senior year? I so my to understand the concept. <laughs> I remember all this, but <laughs> so my senior year, I, I play I played with a guy uh, by the name of Brandon Heath. Um, who I believe is one of the all-time, if not he, may be the all-time leader scorer in San Diego State uh, school history, or he's somewhere up there. Uh, I played with a guy uh, named Trevor Ariza, who, I mean, everybody knows him. <laughs> right. uh, you know, had a really good uh, NBA career. Uh, I played with a guy named Hassan Adams, who was a high school All-American, uh, uh, Pac-12, All-Pac-12 selection. Um I uh, played with a guy, Shanti Cook, um, was a Big East point guard, and another guy named Brandon Bowman. He was an All Big East selection. Uh, I played with a guy named uh, Keith Everett, who who played at uh, Cal State Northridge. Uh, Scott Cutley, uh, and then and we had a guy on our team, and at the time, just to tell you how crazy Westchester was, uh, Bobby Brown. Uh, I mean, wow. like these hoopers, and everybody knows them. So Bobby Brown, he actually was a JV player, and he moved up at the end of the season. But Westchester was so loaded then that a guy like Bobby Brown was not a full-time varsity player, which is insane to think of. And mind you, he had a growth spurt, so on and so forth, but he still was talented. Yeah. And any other normal situation – you know, Bobby Brown, he plays three years varsity, easily a two-year starter, easily, because he was that, you know, even though he was smaller than, he was still that talented. Right. You know, it wasn't never a lack of talent. And, it, and the reason, and it wasn't his talent that kept his him. seniority. Yeah, it, yeah, it was like, big yeah, player, so yeah, yeah if he plays, yeah. this senior we have literally might not get a scholarship, and he's right. going to be a scholarship player, so. It was just crazy, man. It was a crazy time. How did you guys start the season unranked is what I want to know. Wow. You know what? I have no idea, but it fueled us. I'm thankful for it now, but it pissed us off. Uh, we, we went to the uh, tournament in Florida in Fort Myers, and uh, they made us play in a playing game. <laughs> we, we literally played a playing game for the tournament, and we felt so disrespected. And uh, we just ran through everybody. And I think the first game we played a Florida team, they were like one of the top five teams in the state. We blew them out. Then the next game we played a team from Kentucky. They were top 15 in the country. We beat them pretty good. And then we played another team that was top something. We beat them pretty good. And then we played uh, a team, uh, St. Raymond's from the Bronx okay. in New York. Uh, who had Julius Hodge, who's a good friend of mine. <laughs> Shout out to Jules, man. Um, I always remind him of this on uh, social media. Uh, so we played them in the championship game, and, and they were super good, uh, super talented. Um, and uh, it, it went down to the wire, and we ended up beating them. Um, so, uh, yeah, so long story short, uh, we come home, and, you know, we're, we're really not even thinking about it. Um, we were pissed off prior to the tournament, but we, we never stopped to say, hey, well, I wonder if we ranked now. Um, I never forget, I, I went to school and uh, one of our assistant coach uh, pulls out the USA Today and we were ranked like, I think, seventh or eighth. Wow. Yeah, so we went from unranked to That's top right. 10. Okay. And then we kept winning it. I think we got as high as three. And 
you know, we ended up getting upset in the state tournament by Corona Centennial uh, by my good friend Jamal Williams, yeah. who's an assistant coach at UNLV. Shout out to J-Dub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was some good talent from Corona. So <laughs> I remember him just dunking on everybody all the time. Yeah, he was a man child. Uh, who's their point guard? Uh, Reese. Yeah. Uh, Reese. Yeah. Cold yeah. Team. Cold team. Yeah. Like really good team. Oh uh, man! And so going on to college. Um. So started at University of New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I started at the University of New Mexico playing for a guy named Fran Fischilla, uh, who's all over ESPN. Um, and uh, you know, it went really well, man. I, I was really excited. I wanted to go. I was highly recruited, but I wanted to go to a place where I felt like. I could uh, make an impact right away, uh, so I had an excellent opportunity there starting as a freshman, um, having those ups and downs as a freshman, learning the game, and from there, uh, a friend was let go, and I ended up staying for a year and decided that I wanted a different situation, and then I, I went on to the University of Nevada and sat out, and uh, we had some really good teams. We won. Uh, a few conference championships while I was there. Uh, had a Sweet 16 run my first year there. Uh, you know, the final, my final two years, we went to the tournament every year. It was just a really good time. You know, it was like a solid uh, program, and it just kind of ascended. Yeah. Do you think you learned the best principles that you kind of carry on to your coaching from college? Um, what was, you know, what were your experiences? I want to say the. Give me like the top three principles that you learn in a college experience that you carry over now into your coaching. Well, number one is time management. Um, you got to manage your time. You know, you're when you're in college, you're you're a young adult, so you have all this quote unquote freedom, but you got to make the right decisions. So for me, uh, was just managing my time. You know, you got class, you got uh, practice, you got workouts, you got weights. And then in between, you know, uh, and around this stuff, you got this quote-unquote free time. So, you know, you got to just make sure you handle your business. So my number one thing was, uh, you know, time management. And then from there, I would say discipline uh, because it's easy to kind of drift off when you're young, you're still growing as a person. So just being disciplined on what, what I'm doing every day, uh, showing that discipline, okay, I got to do the same thing every day and I can't miss a day and then expect to have great results. Yeah. So just, just staying, staying disciplined. And then, um, I would say, uh, probably, uh, you know, building relationships. Yeah. Um, I think for me in my life personally, um, the relationships that I've built are the reason why, I've gotten through doors um, because I, I I have a pretty good network and you can go all the way back to high school all through college. Um, I've kept in contact with people and built solid relationships and like uh, the relationships that I've built in college, like those guys that I, you know, played with, like they're like my friends to this day. Like they're like, it's like a brotherhood. So. I think those three things banded together is like, for me, it's 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 a solid foundation. No, that's you know? awesome. I think yeah. those those relationships that you create are super important when the ball stops bouncing on the court actively, at least to transition to that next part. And I know that's a big part of you know why you chose to coach early. 
Um, so after college, you transitioned, you played in the, the D League then, now the G League, yeah. and uh, overseas a little bit. How long was that, your pro uh, playing career, and what, you know, what, were, what was the adversity that you faced playing pro? Uh, I did about four years. Um, the adversity, uh, first of all, like uh, playing ball is just, it's just fun, um, but it's it's an uncertainty there once you, especially once you get to that professional level. Uh, if you're not like this guy that has this story career, you're a draft pick and so on and so forth. So uh, just not knowing. Where, what my next situation was that was that was something that was a challenge but uh it was fun man like playing and in, in, then the development league uh you know a lot of good talent i mean people think like oh development league isn't those guys aren't that good but when you look at it you know especially back then i'm playing against guys that i i saw do really well in their college careers right. that were on the cusp of making it to the league that just didn't make it or was going to make it, so, uh, you know, it wasn't easy, you know, um, but it was fun, because yeah. um, you're still in that NBA setting and how they're teaching, how they're coaching, mm -hmm. you know, how they're, uh, you know, having some exposure, you still got scouts at those games, so uh, it was really fun, um, but it, it was it was challenging because, um, you know, you're, you're fighting for your livelihood, um, it's no longer when you get when you when you get to be, become a professional. It's you're fighting for your life, yeah. like you're fighting to feed yourself. Right. That's the, that's the challenge. So what was it, what was the D League salary then back then? Oh man, I want to say they had the three levels, and I want to say uh, the lowest was like eighteen a season. The mid level was like. 20,000 and then I think the top was like 25 oh my God. something like that to <laughs> yeah to be a pro yeah it's crazy yeah kids literally make that on NIL in high school now. yeah like, <laughs> yeah that's so wild man. so it was wild grew in, in TV deals and the development of the development league itself uh, man man wild. we, we definitely wasn't doing it for the money Right, right. So you said you, you had fun. Like, there's a love and a passion you have for the game. I think that investment into the game is paying you back now with, you know, mm -hmm. where you are now. Um, and so you transitioned from playing into coaching. So you, uh, that uncertainty kind of triggered that for you. What was that, that process like for you? Well, uh, you know, I had just wrapped up playing over in Europe, playing in Romania. And uh, I could have kept going. You know, I had offers on the table to play in different places. But um, my mind started, my will started turning uh, where I felt like I really enjoy playing. I still got my body. I'm cool. I don't really got no major injuries or, like, or nothing like that. Um, and I would every now and again from, a, you know, uh, my, my coaches that I played for in college, they would hit me like, hey, Chad, you ever thought about coaching? And at first it was kind of like, I don't know, like coaching. And uh, I never forget, I got a phone call and uh, my guy was like, uh, Chad, you know, you really should think about it. Like you got the, you got the personality for it. You know what I mean? Like the guys will respect you. Just think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you don't got to do it now. You can keep playing. And um, I just said, you know what? You know, I'm, you know, in my late twenties now, let me, let me really think about trying this out. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and kind of get a jump on things. So I did that. I, I hit up, you know, people once again, my relationships through my network and um, my, my man had an opportunity for me. And I started my first year in 2010 uh, at the University of Wyoming as a uh, uh, as a grad assistant. So that's how I, that's how I got started in coaching, um, and I've been doing it ever since, and I love it, and I do miss playing. Uh, but every now and again, I I hoop, I I go hit a run or something. But <laughs> right, right. but yeah, uh, then, then we need a big on Tuesday nights. <laughs> so you want to come out to the house? Okay. You know, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so you, uh, Wyoming as a GA, what was your your progression? Because um, you know you made it to the pro level, so. Uh, what was it after the GA year? Okay, so from there I did that, and then I, I moved on to the University of Nevada, my alma mater, uh, where I worked for David Carter, who was when I was a player he was an assistant, and okay. then he became the head coach. So uh, he gave me an opportunity to go over there to be the director of basketball operations, and I did that. Was able to get under him, get back on campus where I played at, you know, be around that community and uh, help that team, help those guys the best I can. And then from there, I was afforded an opportunity uh, to be an assistant coach um, at, at Southern Utah University. Okay. So I was at Southern Utah University as an assistant coach for three years where I did everything from uh, recruiting uh, to uh, running our defense to uh, uh, doing player development stuff. Uh, I was always on the road recruiting. If not, I was uh, there helping with scouting reports, whatever. So I was there, and you know, in coaching, it's still that uncertainty that I talked about. Yeah. So, but at this point, this is what I do. So I embraced it, and you know, we we uh, we coaches out there, and coaches will understand this. We we work to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. going to happen. I don't care. You know, it's special cases where guys don't, but, you know, unfortunately, um, we got let go um, uh, because of wins and losses. Um, and I came back home and uh, I said to myself, like, I, I want to do something. I really want to make that jump because I always wanted to work in the NBA. So I have a question before we move on to the NBA, because I think this is important because we hear this a lot, right, especially with the transfer portal and hearing the coaching side of the game. You see coaches build up these, these smaller programs, win, and then get out. Right. right. And they're like, you know, how can you make that decision when you've done that? But like you said, eventually you're going to get fired. Mm -hmm. It does not matter if you have one bad season. It's not like back in the day where Wooden had eight losing seasons before he won ten championships. Yeah, that don't happen. And so <laughs> what, what is that? What, when do you know it's the right time to jump from a college perspective or to, you know, to take the next job? Is it like year, a year after year I think you just got to analyze where you at. I think at the college level, it's so much going on. How's your relationship with the athletic director? Is it a new athletic director? Do you think that they want to bring in somebody that they actually hired? Did they hire you? Right. You know what I'm saying? And then I hate to say it, but it's real. The money. Yep. Like, we don't want to say that, but it's real. Yep. Like the money. You know, if, if, if the money's right, does it work for you and your family? Um, because, you know, coaches are humans too. I mean, coaches got families. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you want to set up your family and have some type of legacy. Yeah. So sometimes that can happen where, you know, guys move on quickly and they're getting a, uh, a better opportunity in terms of 
being able to expand their finances. Yeah. And, you know, the coaches, like, there's no guarantees. So some people might say, oh, well, he's just doing it for the money. They're not, but they are as well because they're, they're taking care of themselves because you never know what could happen because there's so much uncertainty. And I just think it's based on the situation. Uh, you take a guy like uh, Mark Few at Gonzaga, who I'm pretty sure I'm not. I'm not for sure, but I'm guessing. I I will I will take a wild guess and say he's had a lot of chances to leave that program, right. but he stayed and built it, and now they're a powerhouse. Yeah. So one might say back way back when, maybe in his fourth or fifth year, you making these tournament runs and you winning conference titles. Why don't you leave and go to the bigger school? And he said, no, nah, I'm going to chill right here and make it make it what it is. So now, whenever he decides to retire, that's a very attractive job that he created. But it probably always was situational for him. I don't know. I don't I don't know Mark that well, but I'm just giving an example for the sake that's of great. a conversation. That's a great you know point. what I'm saying? No, I, like, I like that perspective. And yeah. To see in both sides of it. And you said it. Like, you know, it comes down to people taking care of their families. It's the way you make a living and not just live, you know? Yeah. And so it's important for people to hear that on both sides for co future coaches who are mm -hmm. in the game and for the kids who are being recruited by these coaches as well um, to understand that, you know, it's, it's, it's how you make your livelihood. So Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, so you transition. So you make the decision that you want to coach at the highest level. Um, how did you come about that opportunity and, and what happened from there? Well, a long story short, uh, uh, we had a guy, there was a guy that worked with the L.A. Clippers. His name was John Welch, um, who um, I'm pretty cool with, uh, who's, I think, believe, I believe he's at the University of Kentucky. I'm not for sure right now, uh, who's really good, um, you know, really known in the business. Uh, he had just took the job with the L.A. Clippers, and they were, he was looking for a player development guy, prefer, preferably a bigger guy. And I had uh, some other contacts with the team prior to him being uh, uh, hired. And I was in contact with them about joining their player development. Um, so um, I was all already in the process of trying to, uh, you know, join their player development staff based on uh, who might get the job. And fortunately, I was connected to him. And... Um, um, plus, with my prior connections, uh, it the two met, the two worlds met, and uh, you know he brought me in and hired me, and um, I was with the organization for seven seasons, and you know learned a ton, you know learned a ton under some good coaches, uh, learned from some good players, helped some good players, serviced some good players, and uh, you know being able to make that jump was. Uh, awesome for me, you know, being at the highest level, being able to see different things and um, being able to say, like, uh, I'm very blessed. I, I, I've seen the best of high school basketball, the best of college, overseas, NBA. I, I, I've seen everything. Yeah. AAU, I, I've seen everything. So no, I think it, it, it was awesome. Like you're, you had really good coaches growing up the whole yeah. way through, too, and then worked for good coaches in the league. And so – that I think that bodes well for your trajectory. You know, you see it with the coaches now, like people who had good coaches that they played for or worked under, 
you know, it, it, for you, you have a lot of knowledge and you get to make it your own. And what's important, I think, for you is that you are a big man. And so understanding that position, mm-hmm. um, how that position's changed because you've been developing this, you know, more new, less back to the basket type style big that the NBA has. And so you're able to see the game from a different lens than most people. Mm-hmm. And so what do you, what would you say has really um, been your focus with player development um, at the professional level? What, what do you think uh, is important for people to know who are developing those guys? Well, uh, basketball has advanced and it, it's evolved and it's advanced. So uh, my whole thing is you got to be a player. And what I mean by that is you got to be able to, uh, you know, dribble the ball, pass the ball, shoot the ball, catch, finish. You got to be able to have your basic fundamentals. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people try to complicate it sometimes, but it's just that, you know, if you if you can get your basic core principles and build on those and get them to a high level, uh, you can you can play the game. And in the NBA, those guys, those are the guys that are successful, the guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. <laughs> and for me, um, as a big guy, I like defense. I like guys that, that take pride in the defense on the defensive end as well. So uh, for me, uh, in terms of player development, I, I really harp on the basic fundamentals of that, you know, each and every day. Awesome. And so what, where is the biggest jump that you've seen development-wise in a player? And what, what were they doing? What you were teaching, you know, I'm sure you have a curriculum or a system that you teach within the team that develops players. Who had the biggest jump? while you were developing them, and why was there such a big jump? Um, I, I, I think I, I witnessed a lot of guys make huge jumps, but uh, one person in particular that I worked with was uh, Ibiza Zubak. You know, he was a guy, uh, when we got him, a young big in the league uh, with, a, with a ton of uh, upside. Yeah. And, and um, you know, coming in, uh, you know, he had, he had things that he needed to build upon to help himself become a full-time starter, and he de- he did those things. And, you know, it's certain things that are uh, premium uh, for bigs in the league and just how the game is played. Like, we all know offensively in the NBA, you're going to see what every night, pick and roll. Yeah. So somebody got to set that screen. So something that's simple, you know, with the, with the big in the league, learn how to set a screen. Yeah. Somebody might say, well, oh, that's easy. No, you have to set a screen the right way. Because uh, obviously, the game is uh, have a lot of really good scores, and they need they need screen set. So you got to understand and learn what a guy wants, how he likes to come off screen, and uh, I think that that's something that uh, a guy like Zubak has really gotten good at. You know, setting screens um, and having opportunities for the team to score, and you know, rolling to the basket. And, Finishing. Right. It makes you open when you yeah. check the screens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that once he figured out, uh, you know, the things that, that are a premium for him, I think he, he really, like, you know, took off and became a, a, a full-time, full-time starter and was really uh, disruptive and really a presence on the defensive end um, uh, for that team. So um, it, was, it was a joy, you know, watching him you know, um, take off with, with his, his skills and his career. And I mean, he still got, uh, even 
higher heights to reach. Right. You know, yeah, if he keeps working, because he's he's only in his mid twenties. You know, uh, we started together. Uh, he was in his early twenties, uh, and he he hasn't even gotten into his uh, um, his prime yet. So it can be real scary, <laughs> you know, as he adds other tools to his game. So what was it about his personality or his demeanor, character that you know helped him learn and develop? I, I just think his maturity. You know, like uh, it's different for. A guy like him, you know, he left his home when he was 13, 14 years old uh, to move away and go to school to focus on school and basketball. And really, like, you're kind of like a, you, what well, you are, really. You're a professional at a young age. Um, so um, there's still some youth there because he was young, but, like, uh, he definitely knew how to handle himself. And, um, you know, you're able to coach him hard and he receives it. And he, you know, be turned. Be he was very determined in wanting to get his, his self and position himself where he can help the team and you know be a starter. What are three things that a future NBA coach needs to know about being in player development, assistant coaching, that you think are vital for their growth and development? Uh, three things I'll say. Well, uh, number number one. Um, uh, be be uh, willing to to listen. I think that uh, if you come in with a mindset that you're gonna gonna listen, um, if you're gonna listen, you're gonna learn. Um, because um, I mean, I'll tell you, like if you work for an NBA team, you, if you look on that staff, you always gonna have former head coaches, you have former players. So one of the things I like to do with those guys is just have conversation, and just to kind of get a better insight on how they think. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I, w I, I would say just be willing to listen and basically be a sponge um, and, and soak up that stuff and soak up that knowledge. And then from there, um, uh, be serviceable. You know, come in. Um, I always tell people, coaches, uh, like a lot of people look at coaches like, oh, these, they're the, these are experts and they know everything. They know a lot, but... <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I, I learn from anybody. I can learn from an a, a elementary school coach. I, I, learn, I don't know it all. I, I know some stuff because I've been exposed, but mm -hmm. um, just uh, coming to it, being able to service the players, because uh, that's what coaches are. We, we service players. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like the whole idea where, you know, you have guys say, well, that was my guy, and, you know, don't take credit. You know what I'm saying? For something, the player still got to do it. You you service that player, and you service them the best they can to help them go. Like, just think for yourself, if you had somebody that was 100% all about you, you know, it takes your game further. And to me, that's the satisfaction I get out of coaching, that I service somebody and it helped them. And if it helped them make money, I'm even more happier because <laughs> right, look, right. now they're taking care of their family. Now they can build a, that's a legacy play. You know what I'm saying? And then I always believe that uh, the way God works, he's going to look after you for doing what you did for that person, for, for that player. So um, come into it with that. And then uh, thirdly, don't be afraid to try stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody has the, the, the exact antidote. But I will say this, <laughs> don't try to reinvent the wheel, though. 
<laughs> I see a lot of I see, <laughs> I see a lot of silly stuff too. Well, uh, give me an example of that, and you know it, it's it's joking because we see a lot of stuff <laughs> in the development game. But give me an example of this this part you cannot reinvent. This is what it is. What what are some of those things that? Well, I, I can't give you an exact, but what I can give you an example of, if you're coaching or working out and it doesn't translate to basketball, just stop that. You know, it always, one thing I always ask myself, does this make sense for basketball? All right. Yes, it does. Okay. How do I uh, convey this to Todd so that he understands? Because now I got to start thinking about, it makes sense for basketball, but you learn differently. Todd learns differently from Jason or Kevin or or uh, Lisa or whoever. Oh, his learning style is like this. Okay, he likes visual. So let me show him visual. Yeah. Now, can we go out and do it? Yeah. Boom, you Absolutely. can do it. Now, she may not learn like that. Mm-hmm. How does she learn? Now it makes sense. Yeah. Now, if I give you something that doesn't translate for basketball, now I'm, I'm hurting you as a player. I'm not helping you. You know, and I think that's why I say don't try to reinvent the wheel. But also think outside the box. Like if you're an assistant coach and you work for a head coach and you got an idea, don't sit on the idea. Give it to the coach. Now, if he or she does not use it, don't take it personal. They still got to make a decision. You gave them an option. And sometimes what happens is that coach comes back to it. And you see or you might find yourself in a game situation where your idea could have helped win a game and you didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So give ideas and don't be afraid to think outside the box. Sounds like sounds like, sounds like faith, having faith in yourself. Exactly. Making that step. Of faith. Exactly. Like look at look at everybody talks about small ball now, right? Somebody had to say, oh, I got an idea. Let's play small. Right. Now, as a big guy, I hate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but somebody said, let's play small. Yeah. They won. Yeah. Uh, I like this year's NBA champions. They were pretty big. Yeah, they were. Now, yeah. somebody said, hey, let's play big. Now, I've never seen Aaron Gordon was so impressive for me, all the duck-ins. Yeah. You know, stepping down into the post and just, like, just taking what he – like, this is what y'all going to give me. I'm going to take it every exactly. single time and punish y'all. And I think he was a big piece of that, just like you said, taking advantage and keeping basketball simple. It was very simple. Simple, place. simple, so simple. Jamal Murray was definitely flashy, you know, had some, something to his game. But even the stuff he was doing was very simple. At yeah. The end of the day, so. Yeah. Um, so you got to work for some great coaches um, at your time with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. What are, what's the... I'm saying the most valuable thing that you learned from Doc and the most valuable thing you learned from Ty Lue. Uh, those, those are the only two coaches you worked Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the most valuable things that I learned uh, uh, from Doc, uh, so many, I mean, he has, and I actually hit on one of them, is uh, not being afraid to try stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing he, he would always talk to us about. Um you know, formulate your ideas. Um, he would, uh, I had a conversation with him one time and he said, you know, watch, you know, when you watch stuff and you see stuff that you like, write it down, you know, and keep that with you. Um, Cause it adds to the, 
the way you think, you know, as a coach, it adds to who you are as a coach. You know what I'm saying? So that's one thing I learned from Doc and from Todd. Um, um, I've learned, uh, he always talks about doing things the right way. You know, like he always talks about, you can't cheat this game and, and there's no shortcuts. So, um, you know, and that's very valuable because sometimes, uh, you know, we, we get it, we live in a fast paced society driven by technology. Well, basketball is still just basketball, even though we got certain things around it and there's no shortcut to it. You know, you gotta do the you gotta do the work, and you and you gotta do it every every day, and you gotta do it the right way. It ain't no shortcuts. So, love yeah, it. love it. No, that's two valuable things that we try to teach definitely on the youth development level, and you mm -hmm. hear it all the way up to the mm -hmm. pros. It wasn't it wasn't like oh no, you gotta perfect your step back or something crazy. It was <laughs> a very uh, fundamental right. thing that carries you almost through life. You know, those mm -hmm. things are definitely you could apply them through life. So. For you now, um, you know, you're still trying to coach in the league and, and continue with your career there. What else are you doing outside of your actual career as, you know, a coach um, to bring bring enrichment to the game? Well, one thing about me, I'm, I'm huge on uh, influencing the youth in a positive way. So um, I, I coach my son's uh, recreation team. Uh, in the summer times and I have a whole lot of fun with that so um, I just been inspired you know watching my son he's seven years old watching him grow um, and you know my daughter she's four years old just being around them um, watching them and just being around kids uh, so I know we're gonna start a girl's AAU team my daughter's four too so oh yeah <laughs> we'll talk about that off camera so nah I, I just uh you know, it's, it's something about uh, during uh, COVID, during shutdown, I got to like reassess my life and the stuff that I wanted to do outside of what I, what I did like with coaching. And I was just drawn to the youth. Like how can I help in any, any kind of way I can help and inspire. Um, so uh, what I did is I started a podcast called Time Out with Chad Bell. And uh, I just bring in people from the sports world, former athletes, uh, coaches, agents, whoever, um, and we just talk about their journey. And it's 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 with the intent of educating the youth on how and the things and uh, the things that they need to do every day. And we focus on things of uh, everyday practice and any way to inspire and encourage and one thing we really like to hit on like i'm not i'm not one to just talk about my success i want you to know about my failures yeah. i want you to know where i screwed up at and what not to do uh, and I, I won't i won't go into any detail but like uh we see athletes they're human and i think that the youth need to understand that you know you're gonna make a big make a mistake but what do you do after that mistake you know what i'm saying and then keep that with you and you pass that lesson on to the people behind you so um i'm huge with the youth you know i have a i got a heartbeat for them and um i believe that um they're they're the generation and we got to help them any way we can so i make myself available awesome. yeah awesome and um 
we'll make sure how can people um, listen and, and tap into your podcast well my podcast is uh time out with chad bell um i'm on all platforms i'm on spotify i'm on apple uh i'm on youtube uh once again it's time out with chad bell and then i also have brief everyday kind of inspirations that i do on tiktok uh time out with chad bell on tiktok and then you can also follow me on twitter coach c bell and then on instagram coach c bell as well so awesome. that's how you we'll find sure y'all have all that description and put some links to all that um to your stuff i'm definitely gonna check it out thank you um, um and all right so it's a segment in our show it's called my rushmore my Rushmore, okay? So is your Mount Rushmore, your top four, what? Um, I'm going to go, and it, it could be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> uh, sports related? It, it could be anything. We might just open it up with you because everybody keeps asking that. So top four, anything. Let's let's open it up. Okay. I'm, I'm going to just go my top four. Uh, music artists. <laughs> I think we're going to roll with this. Oh, Matt, we had Matt Barnes on the show last week. And okay. that, so this is what he was top four rappers of all time. So you said musical artists. So we yeah. opened up to every genre. Every genre. All right. So who's your top four? Um, in not any particular order, yeah. I'm going to go uh, John Coltrane. Okay. All right. Jazz musician. I got exposed to him my first year of college. And I just thought his music was smooth. It was cool. And uh, believe it or not, sometime, um, I, like even this morning, I, I, don't, I didn't want to just do regular cardio, just run. I put, I put some Coltrane on and just got some shots up. <laughs> and it was smooth. So um, then I'm going to go uh, Michael Jackson. I mean, like he's like my childhood. I'm pretty sure we were around the same age, so you understand. So he was, he was everything. And uh I'm going to go uh, Tupac. Um, Tupac was like, you know, he was it. You know, I was a huge, still to this day, I listen to Tupac. So he was. Did you see the new documentary, The Dear Mama? Yeah, I saw that. That was, that was, a, that was incredible. The documentary, guys. I know there's yeah. a bunch that came out. People, go watch Dear yeah. Mama on Hulu. That's go it. check that out. It, it's different. It, you give a real perspective of yeah. Tupac and his journey, man. Yeah, no doubt. And then I'm going to go uh, Stevie Wonder. Like <laughs> Stevie Wonder, I mean, his music is just so like like Michael's, uh, just so positive. You know, it it just it's just a special feeling when I listen to his music. Like when I want to feel up, when I want to feel good. You know, I'm in the car, I put that sunroof, um, push it back, push that sunroof back, and then I put on some Stevie, man. You Love know, the yeah. like, the, like the, the the peaceful thing. Yeah, not Tupac. Yeah. You gotta have it in your West Coast yeah. too. So yeah, so man, I just want to give a variety. Yeah, and I like that for me, man. Mine are more of a nostalgic feeling. I think. Yeah. So, not in any order. Uh, DJ Quick. Oh. So DJ that's... Quick for me, man. My shout out to Quick, man. My cousin introduced him to me when I was eleven. That's when I actually when I moved to Corona, mm. and uh, man. I just like everything quick. He actually has an album coming out. People probably don't even know that because he's so old now, you know, for this generation. But man, quick, just uh, his uh -huh. beats. You talk about like just the the whatever he did with his it's funky man. Yeah, the funk in it, man. And um, 
you know, I realized that his lyrics were not that good. You know, I talked to kids, hey, stop listening to that stupid stuff, and I'll listen to Quick. I'm like, oh, that's stupid stuff too, but I'll still listen to it. Uh, yeah, Quick. Um, and then my wife hates this. It's actually a group, but I'm going to do it since we're doing, I think, the group. Yeah. Man, I'm a big fan of Day 26. They only had two okay. albums. <laughs> I know, make it the family. I, ne- I Man, never I heard nobody say that. <laughs> nobody says that, so... You know, I, I make this argument that the best R&B group ever argue with me. I know there's Drew Hill, one twelve, whatever. Listen, they twenty six for me, so they on my Rushmore, babe. That's for you. Uh, hey, it's your it's my, my exactly. So, um, third, I'm gonna have to go. Man, I gotta really think about. You know, it's actually Andy Minio. He's a Christian rapper. Okay. So he's a, he's a white boy, but man, I can listen to his stuff all day too. Um. You know, I, I try to change it too, where I'm not listening to too much content that hey, I'm not about. And so, mm-hmm. Andy Minio, for whatever reason, I really connected with his music and the stuff that he was speaking about. Just, uh, you know, from a spiritual journey for me, being a Christian, and he's dealing with the same stuff at the same time it's happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting married, having kids, and, uh, you know, my frustration with the, the I want to say, the church the actual church for right. the spirituality of mm-hmm. the relationship with God and all that kind of stuff. So Andy Minio and this last one, man, this is tough. <laughs> this is tough. Cause I listen to it. I listen to some good stuff, man. It's probably Drake. It's probably Drake. I respect and it. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm around kids. I coach kids mostly. So that's as connected as I can be with them. And not listening to this new trash they listening to, yeah. so we we can rest on Drake during a, a workout session. We'll put the Drake on. The same thing, just uh, man, just feel his flow, how his style, how he does stuff. He uh, his 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 uh his uh album uh, catalog is insane. Insane. It's crazy. He just announced he's coming out with a new. Oh one. man. So we, re- <laughs> we ready for that Drake? Yeah, we ready for sure. But yeah, if I if I had to roll out and just listen to four artists, I think I got a little bit of everything. To, to for me, but those your four were amazing. <laughs> Real talk, you went <laughs> Michael Jackson. Like that's tough with Michael Jackson, but I feel like I could listen to Drake and get a little Michael feeling. Yeah, I mean you know, he's like, he's like he's like the Michael Jackson of his time. Yeah. You know, I know it might sound crazy. That might be a, what do they call it a hot take, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I don't think it is because he's like yeah he's that dude yeah. like for real. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's do another my Rushmore. Um, Mount Rushmore, your top four shoes of all time. Hoop shoes? No, I'm going to go shoot. I'm going to go sneakers. Sneakers? Yeah. Top four sneakers of all time. I'm going to start off. I'm going to keep it basic. Air Force Ones. You okay. cannot go wrong with a pair of Air Force Ones. Oh, no, man. The older I got, man, they start hurting the bottom of my feet when I walk. Oh, you, I gotta change you need some insoles. Yeah. <laughs> That's that old okay. man life. <laughs> all right, so the forces. Uh, uh, so the forces. And then I'm going to go with uh probably for me uh the jordan one lows i really like those shoes and then my other mount rushmore is probably the uh penny phone posits i love those shoes like those shoes are like they mean a lot to me (laughs) uh and then fourth i'm gonna go with uh you can tell i'm a nike guy (laughs) Um, I'm gonna go back to Jordan. It's the, it's the Jordan 11s, but I like the Jordan 11s mids. But the older I get, I like the lows. So yep. that's my top four. 
Okay, so my four, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the eleven lows. Okay. Um, the mids start hurting my feet too, and this is yeah. within so yeah. for whatever reason. So, uh, the eleven lows are my favorite shoes to to rock. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, then I'm going to have to go with I'm trying to think. Ooh, man, my closet is full of Jordans. I ain't gonna front. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Jordan tens. Mm, like yeah, those. The Jordan tens. Those are comfy. Um, I actually like all the colorways. Yeah. Mad comfortable. Comfortable. And, oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. So for me, I like heavier shoes to hoop in too. So. Oh yeah. Um, and then actually the LeBron Soldier threes. Okay. The yeah, with the just the Velcro strap. Yeah. I'm like not lacing my shoes up for whatever reason and hooping in them. Yeah. But those are probably my like when I hoop in those, I feel like I feel like bronze. So. <laughs> with so, the vertical. With the ver oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, okay. So, uh, this this LeBron, so not the forty seven, yeah. forty is vertical. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then my last ones, I'm gonna have to go. I'm trying to think. What I really, really would rock. It have to be sneakers? They no, 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 they don't, they don't gotta be. Okay, so yeah. man, these right here, don't put my foot in the camera, but these canes, boy. I got some of those. These right here. Yeah, are save your life. Shoes. And they're like, <laughs> Kane, listen, you might as well hook me up with the endorsement now. <laughs> they save uh, your shout life. Shout out to Chris Johnson for, for connecting me with these ones, but man, these canes, uh, yeah. you talk about comfort, Woo. recovery. Um, you know, I I wouldn't wear Crocs like, but I wear these canes. And yeah. My foot feels so. If you get older in your thirties, <laughs> can't uh, go wrong. No, nah, these these are my joints right now. So um, yeah, those are my four, man. No doubt, no doubt. And then um, this last segment of our show we call Flip the Script. Okay. So you're interviewing me now. Two questions you can ask me about anything. Two questions that you have for me. First question, uh, who would be your number one, like, if you can have as a guest, like, you you would love to have as a, as a guest? Uh, I would love to have Vince Carter. Ooh, he is my and why? Player. He's my favorite player of all time. Um, just from, once again, this is a Todd thing. I'm not saying he's the best of all time. <laughs> he's my favorite player of all time. I've, right. ever, I've been blessed to meet a lot of NBA players. And so um, he's one I, I haven't met and who I, like, grew up just – loving and um just want to talk about his journey man playing for 21 years in the league and man. playing two years in college before going out when he really didn't have to but he did and how do you jump over a seven foot seven footer like <laughs> just, <laughs> just uh connecting with him man and um you know kind of kind of i was i met will smith so I, I spoke this thing into existence uh, a few years ago i went to a j cole concert mm -hmm. um shout out dj dummy i mean yeah i got backstage passes okay and so, Jaden Smith was opening up for J. Cole. Okay. And I kept saying it because it was like two months before we went. Mm -hmm. I said, Will Smith's going to be there to watch his son. I kept telling that to my wife. And she was like, no, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm going to meet Will Smith that night. Sure enough, Will Smith comes. Oh, man. The extra verse he did on the Jaden song. Mm -hmm. and so, as soon as he's done, I run backstage. I'm like, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to catch him back here. And ran into him, got a picture. Oh, that's dope. Super dope. Get to meet Will Smith. I, you know, that's the whole Fresh Prince thing. That's, oh, yeah, yeah okay. That's, that's Will Smith is my childhood for me. And so I'm speaking this Vince Carter thing, too. So Vince Carter. Okay. Uh, what's something 
in terms of basketball that you really want to do but you haven't done yet? Oh man. That you that you like aspire to do that that you know like you know it's going to be a reality but you just haven't done it yet. Hmm. That's a really deep. That's a really good question cuz I know the answer. I don't know if I'm supposed to share it cuz it's a deep deep, 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 deep decision that I have often. Okay. That that I feel is from God and uh I'll say this. I just want to be one of the most impactful people in basketball mm -hmm. that nobody knows about. Mm. I want to be an advocate for the players and coaches, wherever they're at, mm. so they can be the best version of themselves, so we can be in this together. Um, I think at the highest levels, there's a lot of camaraderie in basketball, but mm. on the lower levels, it's separated. Mm. And so I created this show to be that impactful person. Like, mm -hmm. you've got a podcast, too. You're in player development, too. Mm-hmm. Man, we supposed to be working together. Yeah, yeah. And in Southern California, there's a lot of this. Everybody wants to do their own thing. Everybody wants to be the man. They they want this attention on them mm -hmm. and not on what they're doing. And mm -hmm. so I want to show them, like, hey, you can do this. We can do this together. Like, just because mm -hmm. I'm eating doesn't mean you can't eat too. Right. And so um, <clears throat> that's my vision is to be that impactful person who kind of is this glue to mm -hmm. the smaller communities of basketball for the bigger picture for everybody. I like that. I like that, and I like the whole idea of like being known but unknown. Yeah. You know, that's 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 my vibe. You know, yeah. like I always tell people, I, I don't want to be famous. <laughs> I'm, doing this, I'm doing this because somebody somebody spoke this into existence for me. It's right. Like, hey, man, you need to be a speaker. You need to share your information and all this. And I'm mm. like, okay, if I am, I'm not gonna make it about me. Right. I'm gonna make it about other people because. Uh, I, I, it's not me. It's just mm -hmm. not me. I don't, I don't want to be all in the camera dancing in the music video. <laughs> That's not my thing. So I love highlighting other people and what they're doing because this is what inspires me. And so mm -hmm. it's actually bringing me to our last question before we close. So you get to, you get, you've been blessed to be around a bunch of amazing people, inspiring, encouraging, high level people, and then you have more your your podcast as well. What's the best, your favorite quote, and how has it impacted you? Uh, just in general, like any quote. Any quote. Um, quote or saying or some something that's very you know. Really I mean, it's it's simple. I mean, everybody says it, but it me it means everything to me is just keep God first. And the reason why I say that is because like you can use that for anything. You know, whether you're having success or you having uh, failures, it's keep God first um, because I think that. You know, that's what I was rooted in. You know, that's how I was raised. So um, keeping God first is the ultimate, ultimate thing you can do um, because it's not, um, you're not going to get too high. And when you're feeling a low, you're going you're gonna to be picked up. So, um, and that's what everything, you know, everything I do, no matter what I'm going through, you know, I'm going to keep God first. I try to keep God in everything I do. Dope. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. So you got a 24 second shot clock. Tell the people whatever you want. That's your camera. Let them know you could, you know, give them some some life advice from you or just, uh, you know, where to find you. I think you already did that. But anything you want, you got a 24 second shot clock. All right. Well, I uh, just want to encourage everybody out there, you know, keep working hard. Keep going after your goals. Keep going after your dreams. Uh, put away all negativity, you know, put away all negativity. Always think positive. 
Um, not everybody's going to cheer for you. Cheer for yourself. You know, cheer for yourself each and every day, no matter what you're going through. And just keep going. Keep keep pushing. Um, if you ever want to speak to me or reach me, um, like I said earlier, uh, you reach me on I IG, uh, Coach C. Bell, as well on Instagram. I mean, as well as on Twitter, Coach C. Bell, and then my TikTok timeout with Chad Bell. Perfect, perfect. Man, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.